You are listening to the Give Me Five Podcast, episode 22. Rush out on an uptown train, doors open, and she walks in, she's soaking, caught in the rain, her skin shines like crystalline. This is the Give Me Five podcast, where each week we discuss things that we found interesting or entertaining. That can be movies, music, games, streaming, TV, or whatever. I'm Elvin Neer, and I'm joined as always by Blast Hard Cheese. Hey guys, just wanted to send a little bit of a shout out to the Ewokan Guild on Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, a group of people that we are currently playing that game with, uh, Rob and myself, thus our stupid names, Pacific lead to solo base who is some sort of wizard with that game who i can uh, email him some information and like i get a spreadsheet a few hours later of what i should be doing just wanted to say uh, hello and thank you to all you crazy people out there playing that game he's a mind wizard he's totally a mind wizard. hi i'm jimmy i yeah <laughs> hi jimmy jimmy does not play the game and he is better off for but it. he plays pokemon he does and he's better off for that, too. So, this week is Anthology Week! Woohoo! Sweet. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about some of our, uh, some anthologies are on. There's uh, both Electric Dreams and Black Mirror Season 4 have hit. I've been pretty much completely watching those only. I'm not sure what you guys have been doing, but decided that we should talk about I that. I actually just started watching Black Mirror. I haven't had a chance to catch Electric Dreams yet. I am working my way through both series, um, all seasons of Black Mirror and the first season, and only season so far, of Electric Dreams. And can I just say that Black Black Mirror is Netflix, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Netflix uh, is hitting it out of the park with some of these things. I mean, they have come up with so much good programming recently. Well, I guess technically Black Mirror is like four seasons in, but I mean... The first we'll talk about yeah. the production of those in a little bit, but yeah, it's uh, it's currently Netflix, and they're doing a smashing job. I don't know why I just said smashing. Smashing, it's British. I'm smashing. British. This is going to be a very British episode. Yeah, I'm very embarrassing. I watched like two shows from England, and all of a sudden, I'm like drinking tea. So, guys, this is a review show, and there will be spoilers. We will try to avoid any major twists. For example, if you did not know that. David Jones is actually David Bowie's real name, or we're going British here, that Timothy Timothy Dalton was the werewolf the whole time. You might want to turn away. What? Come back later. Watch that episode today. And I, uh, just like Jimmy, I kind of remembered it. So that is from an episode of an anthology series, Tales from the Crypt, which you might remember. Correct. Which we will be discussing no. later. Here's the weird thing about these anthologies. I think a lot of what makes them great is the fact that there's twists at the end of most of the episodes. What a twist! So I think that we will try to avoid those kind of spoilers. Uh, if you want to go into these shows completely blind, not the episode of, our, of us to be listening to. But 
we're going to try not to talk about the big twist at the end of each episode. I mean, they're like little tiny short stories. So we'll try to avoid that. But we might talk about what individual, you know, which, what each individual episode is kind of about. So that's just a little bit of a heads up. Also, we're kind of old, but not really that old. And some of the major anthology series happened before our time. So if you have special anthologies and shows that you watched as a kid or have watched since then that you want to tell us about, you can contact us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five podcast. That's F-I-V. You can look up Give Me Five pod at Twitter or on Instagram. Or, of course, you can email me or us. Don't email me. You can email us at GiveMeFivePodcast at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook, and I'll be happy to give you Greg's personal email. And then you can just send him the hate mail. Yes. And, of course, you can always leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, Thank you guys to the ones that did. We have seen a couple more reviews. And as we mentioned before, we have what, Jimmy? We have a store, and it's awesome. Ding, ding, ding! Actually... Got some merchandise in. If you guys do follow our Instagram at Give Me Five Pod, you can see some of that posted. Uh, you can see it on the website, so that's Give Me Five Podcast.threadless.com, where you can preview some of the designs available. But again, check out our Instagram or our Facebook page to actually see physical copies of those things. And I'm actually wearing one of the shirts right now, and it's quite comfortable. So just shoot. I just got it today. He's but, just not wearing any pants with it. Yeah, guys, that that does help us um, avoid uh, afford server space, so we can continue bringing you awesome, or should I say, smashing content. Yes. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh God. Yeah, we're gonna do all British references from like 1997. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, guys, anything new uh, not in the world of anthologies that you want to chat about first? Um, in the way of entertainment, I'm an idiot. Um, I recently... We know. Yeah, Do I know. Tell. I, I laid that one out for you. I just lobbed it up so you could spike it down on my face. Um, that is true. I won't go there. Yeah, go there you go. Um, I, <laughs> I found out recently. I I just had cable set up today. I've I've lived in my current house for two years. And I haven't had cable. We we just use internet for our entertainment and stuff. You know, we watch videos and stuff off off the offline with like Netflix, porn and porn. Yes, Netflix and Hulu and stuff like that. I recently got a um, an end of year basically statement from my HOA and found out that I've actually been paying for cable for the last two years and I haven't had cable because it's included in my HOA. I did not know it was included in my HOA. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was pissed. (laughs) So I arranged to have it set up, and they just came out today and hooked up my cable. So I have cable now. (laughs) One, congratulations. Two, I'm actually glad you made it on the show, because when I called you earlier today, you sounded more defeated than I've ever heard you sound on the phone other than that day. Other than the day that you dropped your PS4 out out of your truck and broke it. Oh, that was so disheartening, too. The two times I've called you up, like, usually I'll call him up and say something offensive right away and, like, but he answered the phone and I'm like, oh, something bad happened. <laughs> so I was so scared that, like, you know, he was in the hospital or something like that. He's like, oh, I'm at the DMV and I thought you were legitimately going to be there all night. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I was there for three hours. All I had was an issue. Oh. They, they, um, 
I and and it's partly my own fault. I can't really blame them for it because they always tell you to check it when they give it to you, right? Well, it was close enough that I missed it. And only recently has it been pointed out to me and it became a problem like when I went shopping for certain things. Um uh Jen and porn. I no, yeah, porn. No, Jen and I went uh sport shooting for clays and we were looking at shotguns and I could not purchase a shotgun because the address on my license was incorrect. Um and by incorrect I mean it was off one letter. There was one letter missing from my license. Um but it was so close that I just never even noticed it. So I went to the DMV and spent three hours there trying to get that fixed. Super awesome. But once they had, they were super nice. Well, <laughs> they were super nice once they once I got up to the counter. It was just took forever to get up to the counter. Sounds like a blast. Not so much. Yeah. No, that's frustrating. Um, so I just found out last week that a new movie from the director of Moon and the Warcraft movie. Say what you will about that. I haven't seen it. Didn't really have any interest. But Moon eh. is one of my favorites. The director is Duncan Jones, and yes, that is David Bowie's son. The movie is called Mute. It will be premiering on Netflix next month. It is set in a futuristic Berlin. A mute bartender is searching for his significant other his girlfriend if you will who's gone missing and that takes him deeper into the city's underbelly uh clint mansell is doing the score for it and if you're not familiar with clint mansell he was in a band called pop elite itself who was pretty big around the mid-90s i i guess um he also did the scores for the movie so he's a big darren aronofsky guy uh, he did the score for Pi, The Fountain, Ghost in the Shell, The Wrestler, and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, you mentioned the, all of those movies today. And the soundtracks, if I remember, though, they're very unsettling and mixed with those movies are even more unsettling. But he actually directed Warcraft? Is that what you're saying? Duncan Jones did, yes. Directed the Warcraft movie. Should should we hold that against him? I, I'm not Let's sure. Let's just... Let's just say that it's helping to fund future endeavors. I, you know, I think the Warcraft movie, like, I, I admittedly I own it, but that was because I bought it for four dollars on Black Friday one Black Friday. Mm -hmm. Is and it good, it, or is it, it like? A, okay, first of all, I don't know much about Warcraft. the The graphics are pretty neat. The CGI is pretty neat. The movie, uh, uh. The problem with that movie, I think that one, Duncan Jones, this was his first big budget movie. And I think that the studio got really involved and definitely were making a movie for the sequel because there's... And how did that work some, out for him? I doubt there will be <laughs> it's, one. It's the thing that, that Marvel started and did it right because they did it slowly and everyone else is trying to do it. And between the monsters, like The Mummy, which was Jimmy's worst movie of the year, uh, Warcraft, which was very poorly received here although it's one of the largest movies of all time if i remember correctly over in china really yeah but, all right um but it was really it, it was really designed for the sequel i don't remember much about it but i do remember there being the inkling of a good story there but it was very quickly pushed away by just crappy movie tropes i think there for many years there was a lot of clamoring for blizzard to do an actual 
movie based on their cinematic universe. Um, their cinematics are second to none in the, you know, game industry. And I think it came a bit too late for me to be really interested and a lot of other people. But say what you will about that. I am really looking forward to Mute. It stars Alexander Skarsgård and oh, Paul Rudd. Like Paul Rudd will be in it as well. And Ant-Man. it is rumored, <laughs> it is rumored, yes, Ant-Man, it is rumored that Sam Rockwell will also be in the movie. And Sam Rockwell was the star of Moon, and he recently dropped an F-bomb live on SNL. Nice. I was wondering why I saw that headline that said, like, it was a compilation of other stars that have said the F-bomb on SNL, and I was wondering why that was a thing. Thank you. Now I know. You're welcome. So that's what I got. I can't wait. We will be talking about it. It's been a very heavy David Bowie week for me. So the the other thing that I was really excited about, I saw a little blurb come up on some website that there is actually going to be a John Wick TV show. Uh, ever since they showed the Continental, which is that hotel that's very friendly to hitmen, yes, in the in the other movies, um, there's been people clamoring like we want to know more about this hotel, more about the other hitmen that go there, more about the other stories yep. amongst it. And it was always kind of there in the background. And just recently, the original director kind of got a, got a deal with stars. So the original director of all three John Wick films, because there's a third one coming out. Should uh, go ahead and give his name a shot. Yeah, Chad Stahelski. All right, yeah, pretty good. Chad Stahelski. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, he's going to direct the pilot episode. Uh, the showrunner awesome. is going to be a guy named Chris Collins, who was the showrunner of, of Sons of Anarchy. So pretty decent dark feel on that one. And he's going to be writing the script and, as I said, start being the uh, showrunner. The Some of the rumors is that Ian McShane will come back to do some of that stuff and um, that it might focus on Lance Reddick, who was uh, had played a major part in John Wick 2. So I will watch that. I would, absolutely. I will definitely check that out, yeah. And if it is on stars, then I I would renew my subscription that i had for american gods to watch that and speaking of greg is there news on american gods that was a fantastic transition you're very welcome. wow golf clap golf clap yeah. you could have also transitioned with ian mcshane you you took there's two options there you took it my eyes are watering a little with glee so yeah the last but... week we talked about american gods and i think the week before that and we've talked a, about it a lot yeah and there's i think there was a some stories about the showrunners being fired for Neil Gaiman. So recently, over the past couple of days, they there was an article that came out that said that the showrunners were not fired, and they also didn't quit. And that was Brian Fuller and Michael Green. They said they stepped aside, meaning they're still going to do something with the show, but they're not going to be made the main people in charge. The other thing is that Neil Gaiman is also not going to be showrunning because he is currently showrunning the show Good Omens, which is based on his writings as well. and. They're going to kind of do a partnership with whoever is showrunning to kind of make sure it's got the right tone. So there's currently no showrunner. The people amongst the show are saying that it's – I don't think they're British, but I think they hang around enough British people that they're kind of like – there's been a snag in season two where they're not like you know running around like the house is on fire. But Mm -hmm. they're saying that like it's going to be a little bit late. And um, however, the one – Like Game of Thrones late? (laughs) Probably before we see, <laughs> probably before we see the next Game of Thrones, I'm guessing. But the guy Michael Green did say something along the lines of, um, 
not to believe everything that you hear. He said something about like there's a rumor floating around on the internet. So maybe he they were fired, but they're being really up in the air. And I did as much research as possible, but you know, I had anthologies to watch, so as long as the show stays good, that's all I care about. Yeah, this is something I check for news on every week or or two, you know, because I, I have such high hopes for the series and man if the first season wasn't so good. And it ended on such an amazing, I wouldn't even call it a cliffhanger, but almost like a, um, it was a very satisfying end to the first season. I so still have not seen the first season. You we should watch. fully expect your review when you do. Yes, sir. Thank you. Smashing. <laughs> do I make you horny, baby? No. Yes. <laughs> and on some unfortunate news... Uh, Dolores Reardon, um, front woman for the band The Cranberries, passed away this week at the age of 46. Oh, wow. Yeah. In a hotel room while she was recording with a band called Dark, or D-A-R-K, and that was with um, Andy Rourke from The Smiths and Ole Kretzky on vocals. When I think back to the 90s, there's... Like, I wasn't the world's biggest Cranberries fan, but if I think back to the era of the 90s, for some reason, the song that is, like, the soundtrack to the 90s for me is the song Dreams. And it just, like, I hear that opening kind of driven song, like, when I think back to it. I think it was because it was used in a lot of, like, movie trailers and stuff like that. And so it was a shock to see. I mean, I went back and listened. Like for much of this week when I heard the news and I was, you know, I'm listening to Linger, Zombie, Dreams, all those kind of big songs. And, you know, we we don't know what happened to her. I'm not going to, no one knows. Not going but, to speculate. Yeah. Uh, she had been complaining about back pain and they had to cancel some gigs because of it, which sucks. But mm. she had a great voice. She was, you know, one she of did. yeah one of the major Irish bands. And there's quite a few of them that you know all their songs. And... Just kind of scream '90s, and it seems like they were losing so many of these great voices from the '90s between her and Chris Cornell, and you know, the guy from Alice in Chains, which was a while ago. But I don't know, just Lane really Staley, here. yeah, Lane Staley, uh, just a bunch. So it's uh, it's sad to see, and sad to hear. So uh, our thoughts are with her family. Yes, absolutely. So let's have some cranberries. All right, so um, I guess we'll start off tonight's show with uh, the British series that has got us doing all of our little quips um, called Black Mirror. It's a uh, British sci-fi anthology show currently on its fourth season. It's through Netflix, so anybody who has access to Netflix has access to the show. Um, It examines modern society, particularly through the lens of unexpected consequences of new technology. That does not sound prepared at all. No. Not not at all. Good job. Yep. So here's uh, the deal with Black Mirror. A coworker of mine and Jimmy's named Joel. I will do another shout out. Hi, Joel. He's a really great person with a really good eye for TV shows and... Hi, Joel. And movies. Pretty much uh, every movie he's ever told me to go see has been fantastic. Also, every movie he's told me to go see and where he said this is the best movie I've seen all year seems to go off and then win the Academy Award or the Golden Globe. Uh, he Everything is good about Joel except for his patio. It sucks. So Joel's patio sucks. I just want to say that for all of our listeners. Yeah, take that, Joel's patio. Yeah. Anyway, he told me to watch this show, and at the time he told me to watch it, I was 
not in the mood for heavy. Like he explained it a little bit, but the show is much better going into it, not knowing big specifics, just kind of knowing technology and how it affects people socially and how it affects the world. And I didn't want anything that heavy, so I waited. Like he told me about it probably around season two, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to deal with something that heavy. So finally, when season four came out, and then I saw people start talking about a few episodes, and I saw some screenshots. I decided to try it, and I tried it probably at the end of Christmas break, so somewhere around New Year's time, and couldn't stop watching it. You know, all four seasons, I think I'm down to, like, only three episodes left that I have to watch. It's really addicting, and it's really good. It is, and when I first heard about it, no fault to the person who explained it to me, I said, wow, that sounds really stupid, and there's no (laughs) way it can be good. No, I people were trying to explain it to, oh, you love horror movies, you know, you'll like this. And I just, I've had this stigma for years that there's no way anything on TV can actually be scary or disturbing or good in that regard. Now, I've forgotten some of the shows that we'll talk about later. Uh, Maybe my small, scared child self blocked those or repressed those for me. But I've been watching Black Mirror now, and while I wouldn't say it's exactly scary, and as a horror sci-fi fan, yeah, it's definitely right up my alley, and it is very thought-provoking. So, heavy, yeah, I see that, Greg. Certain episodes are. Yeah. And, you know, they can definitely make you feel one way or the other, strongly, I would say. Well... You know, just a, a few, I guess, a few things with the creation of the show. The, the guy that created it is, I uh, only wrote his last name on the notes, but Brooker is his last name. I think yeah. it's Scott Brook. I think it's Scott Brooker. Uh, we'll just say it's Scott Brooker. Scott Brooker. Uh, he created the show to, just to kind of highlight stuff that that was related to dependency on tech, where, you know, we all hear people say little things like, oh, he's always got his head on his phone, or, you know, I don't want to have something that's recording all my conversations in the house or when the, the Google glass things were coming out, like I don't want people taking pictures of me all the time, that kind of stuff. But no one ever really did a show like, well, why don't you want all this stuff? What, what are other side effects of it? And yeah. Brooker, who is a, he was a, a humorist and a writer for both a PC magazine years ago. And then for a bunch of just various humor shows and satire shows really came down with a, a dark vision of it for, you know, that kind of shows like, well, what are things that we're not looking at when we bring new technology into the world? Like did Apple know what they were doing when they got the iPhone, you know, how much they were changing stuff that, Mm -hmm. you know, people use their iPhones to go to the web more than anything else. Now, not computers anymore, not laptops, that kind of stuff. It's very interesting. So the show, I guess it's what it started season series one and two. Uh, the first episode premiered in 2011 on Channel 4, which is a uh, British broadcasting service. And it ran for, it may still be going on Channel 4. I know that uh, the next series that we're going to talk about is, but Netflix picked it up in 2016. Yeah, so, so that's season, season three. Mm-hmm. And, and that's called series. They call it series three. So it's series one and two were primarily in England, and then series three and four was Netflix. So the if you watch series one and two and then three and four, you'll notice the graphics and the acting and the the named actors 
get significantly better in series three and four. This is now kind of a joint venture. Oh, so, <laughs> it's, global. so it's not it's not an original Netflix programming kind of thing. Uh, it, is, it is. It is after season three. So season three is the first it's, one that is is Netflix. It's not an original in the sense that there was already Black Mirror, but right, they weren't the ones who came up with the concept of the show, but they did take over and wrote all of the episodes for seasons three and on. I'm guessing. Correct. Okay. Or paid for the people to write them. I don't think that there's someone at Netflix headquarters writing random episodes of things. Yeah, there is. They've got some guy locked in a dungeon somewhere just writing all this stuff out. That's how they have all some these great shows. And we I like will you, hopefully interview that guy. You refer to him as Brooker like he's the Brooker. Yeah, I don't know why it's I did that. It's Charlie uh, Brooker. Charlie Brooker. But yeah. We'll if call you, him Scott. Yeah. So, Charlie Brooker, if you are angry that I screwed up your name and you want to write me into one of your episodes having something terrible happening to me, I will allow it. I've earned that right. Like screwing a pig? <laughs> Maybe not so much screwing a pig. <laughs> so it's funny that you should mention that, Rob. Um, explain that, please. Well, yeah, uh, please do. You, you, guys, you guys had me watch this. You, you guys told me this was a great show. You had me watch this show. And the first episode of you season one. You picked a one, weird episode. Well, it's the first episode of season one. So you I don't sit around. Why yeah, would you do that? Usually, when you start a you show, you logic? start with episode one, series one, or season one. Anyway, the sh- the season the show is called um, National Anthem, I believe. And basically, the premise of the of the episode is the princess of England. Is it England? I believe so. Yes. I don't know that they actually mention the country, but <clears throat> the princess has been kidnapped, and the the kidnapper threatens to kill the princess unless the prime minister basically uh, screws a pig on national television. Mm-hmm. So, and it, the episode is all about the prime minister is like, I'm not really going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. What, what is he, what is he talking about? This is ridiculous. Where is she? And they try it in a very, very British, like Hugh Grant kind of manner. Like, <laughs> like very like huffy puffy. <laughs> oh, oh! I I just assumed you meant with prostitutes. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Hugh Grant, man. Hey, yo. Go on. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> anyway, the uh, whole episode. Yeah, wow, that was a little long. All right, the uh, the whole episode was just basically centering around the prime minister and their their trials to try and find the princess where she is so that he can get out of this. Um. You know, I believe she is in another castle. <laughs> Thank you, Mario. Yeah, <laughs> and they did not have fun storming the castle. Mm. Um, so yeah, and basically it boils down to, and I, as I'm watching this episode, I'm like, well, I mean, would you really do that? I mean, if if you if you were presented with that option, would you be like, hell no, just kill her? <laughs> Or would you do it on national television? I mean, do I get to take the pig out for dinner first? Do I get to know the pig? Is no, the... probably not. Because you get there and they're already feeding the pig just to keep it satiated so that it doesn't move. Oh, gotcha. 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 See, now so... I think we're actually spending so much time on this episode because it's probably the one that you you should watch the least, despite the fact that it's the first one. Like, yeah. I'm sure you've got you've gone back and looked at shows like, I mean, Seinfeld and a bunch of other shows where the the pilot episode the characters are all completely different well the the orville feel. was a the orville was a perfect example of of the first yeah. of the pilot right. episode not being all that fantastic but the show actually turning out to be pretty good yeah that's that's true so this episode it's what they were really getting at with that 
is not so much the whole having sex with a pig. It's the the horrible thing that's on like YouTube that the more people say don't watch it, the more people want to watch it. So whereas you know the prime minister's like, hey, this is going to be broadcast live. Don't watch it. And they try to like shut it all down. People are still going to be curious enough to watch it. And people are going to be forced to do more and more horrible things as a result. So that's kind of the point of that one. However, but I, th- it's, I, I think, think it's, it's also the weakest of the episodes. I think it's also a commentary on society, how we, because they had that one guy who was so into it just because it was embarrassing the prime minister and how we as a society relish the misfortune of others, if you will. It's true. I mean, Jimmy really likes when I fall down and hurt myself. There's nothing that makes him happier. Especially when it's on video. It's true. I wouldn't say that I like it. You check to make sure I'm okay, and then you laugh at me. Well, but that's that's acceptable. (laughs) I'm not mad about it. I I fully expect you to laugh at my pain. So, all right, I will. Yeah, great. So anyway, yeah. So that That almost uh, sounded like a threat. (laughs) Yeah, it did. Yeah, I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) He's gonna start sabotaging. It was was dark. Like, all right, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! All right, but I will. It it was not the greatest first episode. Um, I really. after watching that episode, I'm like, wow, they really, it, th- this is what they like? I what is wrong with this Exactly. Guys? I'm like, what is, why would they recommend this? This so, really yeah, wasn't on that I would suggest starting with the later episode. Now, the thing I really like about the show specifically is I went to it, into it completely blind. So like even you guys from Same. listening to this are going to know a little bit more than we did going into it. And so every episode. What we're saying, skip the first episode. Yeah. Every episode you kind of have to figure out what's going on. And usually about 15 to 20 minutes in, you'll start picking up on, okay, what stuff is. There's a lot of, of tech where it's not entirely clear, but they don't specifically talk about it. It's not like a scientist comes and applies this tech and tells you what's going to happen. It just shows a snippet of this person's life and how that tech is affecting that per, that person's life. So, and And here's the beauty of an anthology series. You can skip that first episode and not miss anything. You're exactly right. And that's hard for me to do. That um, I am very much the type of person that if there's a first movie in a trilogy, I'll use um, uh, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, for example, Korean trilogy uh, that includes Old Boy. Um, you can watch any one of those out of order, but when somebody says that to me, I go, no, I can't. I, you don't understand the way my brain works. I have to start from the very first one. Well, Black Mirror could be very well the first series that I dove in without that in my head, um, and I'm, I'm glad I did. And, and I will say this. I watched the first, ep- the first episode of the first season, and Jen watched it with me. Now, as a result, she refuses to watch any more of the show. She's like, I don't like that show. So mm, it could work. Yeah, you know, it could work that way. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. So, but there you go. my, yeah, my introduction was actually uh, an Emmy winning episode. Am I correct? I believe Greg? so, yes. And that stars whom? Uh, I'm McKinsey yes, Davis. I'm actually looking up to see what award it won. Okay. And it is McKinsey Davis yes. from Halt and Catch Fire. And 
It uh, many other projects. You've seen her. You've seen her face. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis. She is in Halt and Catch Fire. She's in Blade Runner. She's in Blade Runner. She's in Halt and Catch Fire. She tends to get typecast as a cool rock chick or punk chick uh, programmer girl. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Canadian actress and really good in everything, specifically in this. Uh, San Junipero won Outstanding Made for Television uh, movie and Outstanding Writing for a limited series movie or uh, drama. And so was she it, was she Kelly or Yorkie? She's Yorkie. Okay. Yeah, she's Yorkie. She's the um without avoiding any major spoilers, she is the nerdy, the nerdy nerdy new to town girl um who's been sheltered, I guess you could say. Um Greg, you always recommend and and Rob you do as well. Um but it was Greg that recommended this to me. Um, as much as I'd, I've heard about Black Mirror, I chose this one first. I watched it. It totally stuck with me. It's still with me, having seen it a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. I love my a big problem that I have when we review mo- movies. You'll most likely hear me comment on the length of the movie. That'll be the first thing I say is it was an hour longer than it needed to be, the half hour longer than it needed they to be. Cut this story I'll say that about the best movies. But for the amount of information that they pack into an episode of Black Mirror, or like we'll talk about Electric Dreams or True Detective, I think it's mind-blowing. I think it's wonderful writing. Absolutely fantastic episode. If you're going to start with one, start with that, not the one that Rob did. Yeah, And no. unfortunately that his girlfriend will never watch again. But uh, San Junipero, yeah, how'd you feel? You know, the interesting thing about San Junipero, that was the first time I I had heard the term San, San Junipero, but I did not know what it was from. And someone, I really don't remember who it was, saw our original logo and saw like all the 80s kind of styled stuff and goes, San Junipero, oh, right? Okay. And I was like, what? You go, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, San, have you seen San Junipero? No. And like, you need to watch that. So... And then it kind was of, this from someone who was not alive in the '80s? Because when I saw our original logo, my first thought was Miami Vice. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what San Junipero is. It's you know, it's very mm-hmm. set in the '80s. So I, then that kind of that kind of got lost on me. So then I was kind of scrolling through episodes as I was kind of working my way through them, and I saw that one, and I I actually jumped ahead a couple just because I was really interested in seeing that one. And mm-hmm. so when I watched it, um, it's. And I've I've made this reference before, just like your reference with things not being long enough or being too long. I one of the things that always catches me is having lived in the '80s. A lot of movies and TV mm-hmm. shows and stuff don't do the '80s that I, we actually lived through. They do the '80s as like as sorority girls will de- dress up for like a formal or some sort of like party, you know, like neon sunglasses and bangle bracelets and stuff like that, which existed, but it was mm-hmm. more kind of like the TV show The Americans with kind of like, you know, ugly tortoise shell glasses and bad sideburns and people that were kind of moving out of their 70s haircuts and cars with the vinyl tops. And the futuristic looking stuff looked more like Miami Vice mixed in with all that other stuff. And this episode got that aesthetic down immediately. Like, I'm sure that you and me both got the chills like in the arcade scenes because it sounded like my childhood in those scenes in the arcade oh yeah from the opening scene i'm like oh man 
Uh, all right. This is totally 80s. Okay. Yeah. From from the opening scene, I wish I was as old as you guys were in the 80s. <laughs> Screw you, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm going to beat you with my cane. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Um, I believe, yeah, it, it, uh, the episode took place right as that transition was happening and it was beautiful and awkward and they nailed the, you know, the period with the games. There was a little, Oh, Hey, you know, this game. I was like, okay, I, I get it. But still it was, it took so many twists that I did not expect. And it blew my mind. It, it wasn't a mind F, but it was one of those things that gets you thinking about things out of your control. So, like, we're we're selling it as a story but, about the '80s, but there's so much more. I'm just to it. really trying not. To yeah, there's so it. much more to it. Like, yeah. Now, can I can I say that that I actually saw the twist? I mean, I it, it wasn't terribly hard to figure out. Um, I mean, I, it was. I imagine that you guys for, figured it out before before they actually told you what was going on. Am I correct? Not to, yes, but not completely to that extent. Not I figured I figured out the while. twist, but I didn't um, absorb the emotion behind the twist. If that makes sense, that's a very good way of putting it. I think like it took a little bit of living with the the twist to start thinking about what I would do in the, in various situations and start right. figuring well, out stuff like that. I, I'm not. I'm not talking about the end of the episode. I'm talking about where where you the the twist where you found out what was actually going on in the '80s or why it was set in the '80s. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, obviously, do, do you understand yeah, what I'm talking I, I, about? I, 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 yeah. Um, there was a, there was a little bit. It was kind of in the back of my mind. I was honestly so fascinated by what I was seeing, especially even the mm-hmm. '80s to the '90s because they got the '90s right too. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say once once we started time traveling, I I instantly I instantly knew what was going mm-hmm. on. So when I started seeing that kind of stuff, I was like, okay. And I knew there had to be something with an emotional drive. I mean, you're not going to win an award for best writing in a drama without some sort of major emotional draw. So I knew it wasn't just going to be like, oh wow, they really got the '80s right. So I knew there had to be something. Right. Right. But when I um, I think the day after I watched it, I came in and I was really tired at work and I was working with Jimmy at nine in the morning you were, and, and I was like punchy and yeah and exhausted. And I was like, dude, you have to watch this. And then I think the same thing happened to Jimmy the next day as well, or a couple days later. It did. It, it really did. You came in, you were super tired and you said after watching the episode, you had realized that you were just, you weren't sleeping. You were just laying there staring at your ceiling. It's a lovely ceiling, but I was yeah, I was staring at the ceiling fan spin around. I was just like, what would I do if I was in that situation? Like that kind of thing. I I would. I think I would. I totally would too. Yeah. Greg? <sighs> I I we could get really deep with this question, but it's hard to get get deep without spoiling things, but and getting really emotional. Hey, we don't, we we warned them. We warned them there would be spoilers. That's true. That's true, but this one I it's like spoil. It's like it's like it would be like spoiling uh, Citizen Kane or something like that. Like I don't want to. It would really. It would really depend I, on. It's the name of his sleigh. Thank you. <laughs> it would really sled, not sleigh. Um, it would really depend on what 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 my other half 
does. That too. So if it was exactly the same the situation, right? Then I don't know. I don't know if I'd be able to, to be honest. Not even not even if you had found the same thing that they had found. It's too hard to. Nah, I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to, honestly. All right. Well, if you guys haven't seen Black Mirror, if you have not seen the episode San Junipero, which is from season three, again, that's on Netflix. Hit me up. I'll give you my password, and we can talk about it later. Oh, Lord. Because a terrible idea. Terrible idea. Did you guys get a chance to see the Archangel episode? I did not. You told me about that. I I have not. I have. I'm working my th- way through a, a mental queue of other episodes. Um, I'm currently watching Playtest. I have it paused behind me, and I can't wait to finish recording. Playtest so is I can actually watch a really good one. That was the one I watched. That's the one I it's watched really right good. after San Junipero, I believe. Um, this one, is Archangels from this season. There's a couple things I want to mention about it, just to kind of talk about how the quality gets better and better in each of the seasons. I mean, it's. Series. I keep on saying season, but technically it's called series. In series four, like usually you're like, well, why would I start a series that I haven't heard about till series four? So one of the episodes, I believe it's the second episode, is called Archangel and A R A R K A N G E L, and it's about technology that basically tracks your kid. So a little girl goes missing briefly, like she follows a kitten or puppy or something into the woods, and nothing actually nothing happens to her. But the single mother freaks out and puts this like device in her that tracks. Yeah, S- SK would go get him if it did. Yeah, exactly. SK from last week's episode. So what would happen? What happens in this? They put this like tracking device thing, but it it tracks. It records basically everything she sees, and it also does like other things, like oh, her sodium is low, that kind of stuff. And it all is attached to this like iPad like device. So this kind of over she's not really overbearing but she's a single mother and she's like i can't lose you you're my everything so it it's very interesting and about 15 minutes into the episode i was i just noticed that it was shot differently than most things i've seen on tv and it was like this is the cinematography in this episode is beautiful like who directed this who was doing this and i looked and it was jody foster so like a huge director oh wow wow yeah i was like oh that's why it looks different than most stuff on TV because it has that kind of like that airy feeling that a lot of Jodie Foster, a lot of more drama movies have. But one of the interesting things on this that I've never really seen in stuff is it the device in the little girl will will track heart rate. And if she sees something that worries her or scares her or excites her, it blurs it out and makes it all pixelated. So like there's this ongoing thing where there's like this dog that's in the yard next door that's always snarling and growling at her, and she gets scared of it, so it mutes the sound for her and makes it pixelated, so it hides this dog from her. And they show her getting older. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute. I'm I'm sorry. How does it work if she like steps into the street and sees an oncoming car and gets scared, and then it blurs it out so that's she can't the point, see it? In a way, like if you are oh. if you are oh, okay. hiding someone. If you were keeping someone so safe from everything, how are they going to know how to handle the stuff themselves? They do something really, really neat. I think the thing I thought was really interesting is the way they show progression of time by showing this dog get older and older and older. And then they show the fence that the dog was behind, like has a for sale sign on it. The house is kind of older and dilapidated. The fence is now open because the dog is gone, that kind of thing. But the other thing it does is it, it blocks out like violence. So at a certain point of the episode, something really violent happens, and you, she doesn't know what she's doing to the other person. 
because it immediately blurs out. So like it's, it's pixelated. So like this person doesn't know how, how their own actions are affecting people. And I thought the episode was great. And the thing I think was really interesting was I, after watching a lot of these, I did a, I looked at a list to see like, well, what is everyone's favorite episode? And this one ended up dead last on, on someone's list, which really, I was shocked. Cause it's one of my favorites. And I was, huh. I was really surprised. I also, they also put is, the pig episode as number is, five. So I really doubt what they're. Okay. I was going to ask if as this their was, number five favorite you know, episode. Yeah. And they put, um, wow. well, it might, I think it might've been six. I think number five was San Junipero. So I thought it was very, I just thought it was very interesting. And I think yeah. it's, there are four other episodes that they thought were better than San Junipero. I was very surprised. Yes. That's a, that's a terrible list. I agree. We should, we should make our own people. list perhaps later. Well, I I'll have to wait Perhaps till I've seen season. all four seasons before I can make sure. that list. So, um, are there any other episodes did you guys watch? Did any stand out to you? Um, I've only I've only had a chance to see three of them so far. I saw the pig episode. I saw fifteen million credits, which uh, again I, it wasn't the strongest start. And I saw San Junipero, which which was fantastic. I really liked the episode San Junipero. But um, the fifteen million credit ones. Do you remember yes. that one? Was that the 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 cycling thing is that that one yeah 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 where where they where they trudge to give power and it's all about you know them trying to work to get a shot on this um like uh i keep wanting to say the voice but that's not the one i'm going for um like an american idol type reality show type thing that's that's the one i was looking for yeah american idol um and they even have a guy who's like simon cowell on the show um but it's it's all about, you know, the people trying to make their way and how, you know, sometimes your dreams get crushed and crushed in a very horrible way. And it, yeah. It, that one was interesting. It, that one actually was, kind of reminded me a little bit of that Orville episode to go back there. The one where they landed on that planet where where everything was based on your social yeah, media. Yeah, thing. Yeah. And I actually thought that the Orville uh -huh. episode would have made, was actually a better exploration of that idea than the black mirror episode it was it, it really was like like i said i mean it didn't it didn't really hit all that all that hard for me just because i mean well, because you hate social media and, I, and you just don't care well i i do hate social media but that wasn't the case i mean it was the whole um you know getting worked up over over you know the issue or whatever and then just selling out okay i'm like wait what 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 just what just happened i i don't understand yeah. <laughs> all right Way to make that change, guy. Good job. Uh, Jimmy, what are the ones right. that you caught? Just start with San Junipero. And, you know, if you're a fan of, of gaming and, you know, technology, technology in general, this show's for you. Um, the consequences that uh, that it creates for us and, you know, yeah. check it out. It's I, I, will say, I will say that each episode that I've seen so far – does present a moral question that it is kind of fun to think about from your own point of view. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'll agree with that. Like even, even the pig episode, you know, I was like, man, would, would I do that? I don't, I don't I know if I could do that. Television yeah. had you going to sleep thinking about, would you have sex with a pig? I just do. <laughs> it, yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that I would, I think, I think the princess would be dead. <laughs> um, I want to. And can I, can I just ask a question? How did nobody do a fingerprint test on that thing? Yeah. Yeah, you have to watch I mean, the episode of, if you decide to watch the pig episode. Maybe watch it like halfway through your run. 
Um, one other thing I just thought was interesting that we didn't talk about too much. Like while you're running, running? You're, as you're yes. watching through like the or, or on a bike uh, earning yes. credits. So one of the things I thought was really interesting about this particular show is the director or creator said that the first three seasons, one, yeah, the, the broker, broker said one of these through the first three seasons that he realized that without doing it on purpose, that every one of his episodes was almost about someone being trapped in some way or some, some form. So, you know, the, the, the prime minister okay. being trapped into doing something or someone being trapped in some sort of location or whatever. And he was realizing, cause people said that, you know, if they watch too many of these episodes in a row that they were telling him like, Oh, it's having, I was getting anxious or I was feeling this or that. And he's like, he realized. So if you start feeling that season four actually breaks out of that mold a little bit. And the first episode of season four, which I would also suggest is one of your early watches is called the USS Callister. And you will probably know it or see it as the Star Trek episode, because it is, if you are a fan of Star Trek, really in any of the eras, but largely the sixties era, they totally like, oh, yeah. it basically is about a woman that wakes up on a Star Trek type ship. Obviously there's twists. There's obviously more to it. Uh, big name actors on that one. And it's, it is creepy and has its scary moments, but um, Jesse Plemons plays is in it. He's from uh, Friday Night Lights, the TV show, and a bunch. And he was also uh, Todd in Breaking Bad. Um, yeah. That's where I recognize him from. He was in that, and uh, there's, uh, there's someone else in that. That's there's a oh, uh, um, Jimmy Simpson is in it. He's he's on a lot of shows. He's he's really good. Yes, and uh, Aaron Paul is Aaron Paul is in that one Westworld. actually as well. Yo, he plays just a voice though so you have to you have to pick him out he's kind of like a i guess he's doing a favor to jesse plumbins who he was on breaking bad with but he's the computer pretty much um so that one's great oh is it really i was just Uh, guessing it's he's a a gamer like a so he's talking through a computer yeah it's not a big deal that's not really a twist but he's he plays like a gamer that logs into the play the game yeah that one's called uss callister it's episode one of season four You'll know it because it's the one that looks the most like a Star Trek episode with colorful spacesuits and stuff like that. And if you happen to be a fan of Star Trek in any of theirs, it's very fun amongst if you can get through the some of the the uh, dark side of that episode. So I, w- I definitely wanted, wanted to suggest that one as well. So wrapping up our, our conversation about Black Mirror, I just wanted to bring up some technical things looking into it. It, like we said... Uh, premiered in 2011 as a Channel 4 production. Now, some of the really interesting things about it here, the effects studios credited for their work on the series are all, like we'll talk about in Electric Dreams, uh, UK-based studios. The first one that I did some research into, well, let's actually switch that up a little bit. Peanut FX did match moving for that and if you guys have not seen the video for wide open by the chemical brothers absolutely whether you're a fan of their music or not check that out peanut effects also there are going to be some common uh productions here but they've also done work on game of thrones and kingsman the secret service it's a very british indeed smashing painting praxis uh, painting practice is a vfx and art direction and Concept Studio, they've done work on Gravity, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and Quantum of Solace. And Saving the Best for Last, animated extras who've done a lot of the prosthetics or practical effects. 
they've done work for Avengers, Age of Ultron, the movie Atonement, and blew my mind today, Event Horizon. Those are, I mean, obviously the, the special effects heavy ones too, but even Atonement it had some great work to it as well. My, yeah. my wife watched it and I happened to walk in the room and it was, it was a good looking movie, not my kind of movie. But and Event Horizon good. is amazing. We've talked about it before. Yes. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's true. So that is, um, if I remember correctly, that is a movie that Jimmy, every time he sees it at a store, he ends up buying it. Because I'm pretty sure you have multiple copies of it. I've got like, like, like 75 copies. <laughs> um, match moving that Jimmy mentioned, if you don't know what that is, that is tracking a camera's movement so that you can then put 3D graphics into a scene, which is you can't really do 3D special effects or any special effects without match moving in some way. And it has multiple layers of difficulty. So um, the companies that do it well are the ones that are going to get the good productions and the good movies such as Game of Thrones and Kingsman, The Secret Service. So. And the video wide open by the Chemical Brothers. I'll actually, I'll post that on our social media later. It's a fantastic video. You can watch the, the behind the scenes to get a little taste for what they do. Hmm. So we're going to uh, move on, but we're also going to kind of stay in the same genre here. You know, more of our, our sci-fi anthology type shows. Recently released and talked about last week by us, which we... I mean, Jimmy and I saw this random commercial for it on Amazon Prime, and we're yeah. like, how did this sneak out? Exactly. Uh, is a anthology series on Amazon Prime, like we mentioned, called Electric Dreams, um, based on the writings of Philip K. Dick, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So, and this one didn't exactly sneak out. It's another one that premiered on Channel 4 over in the UK, and it found its way over here, though it's, it features a lot of significant you know, North American actors and actresses, such as Brian Cranston, who's a producer on the show, and Anna Paquin, who you might be familiar with from True Blood and some, you know, early work, and Terrence Howard, who was... He's Rogue. I always see Anna Paquin uh, as Rogue. And Rogue. I'm sorry, I never see that. <laughs> but Terrence Howard, who was unceremoniously replaced by Don Cheadle as War Machine in the Iron Man franchise... I've also heard that that was because he's notoriously difficult to work with. Though. I, I also heard that as well. So not unceremoniously. He he had so, he had a hand in it, I believe. I liked him as War Machine. Oh, I did too. It's just, yeah. But it is a another very thought provoking series. It does deal with the consequences of you know, technology in the future, but I think has a very escapist kind of theme to it. To yeah, I think a lot of the episodes deal, deal with people trying to escape the realities, which aren't that great um, in mm -hmm. the future. I think the big difference that I noticed between Black Mirror and this particular show is the Black Mirror technology is it's almost recognizable. Uh-oh. Perfect. <laughs> I'll pause for, I'll wait for a moment. Just happened. I think his, possibly his roommate started playing video games or something. Oh. Or Jesus Christ actually showed up because he did say Jesus Christ. So it's entirely possible that Jesus Christ walked into his house. Nice. And is doing, performing miracles in his living room. So that is also a possibility. What's interesting is the episodes that I'm looking at here aren't, they're not in the same order as I've been watching them. It's strange. Hmm. Like, I guess the British version is like the first episode is like, cause I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh, episode three. And I'm like, wait, I didn't, that's not episode three that I watched. I watched episode three, which is 
which is what's the name of it? A research department. Well, if you look at IMDb, well, we'll get to that, I guess. If you look at IMDb, it's not in the same order that it is on Amazon. Like the first episode for me was the was real life, right? The one with the the police woman. Yes. Yes. That's a, on IMDb. That's episode five, which is weird. Because episode three on this one is called The Commuter, and I it's supposed to be the best one. And I well, have a that not, that's not the one with Brian Cranston? Cranston? Yeah. Brian Cranston one is uh, episode six. That is episode three um, on, on Amazon. Yeah. On IMDb. I guess the IMDb version is just showing the, the, British, the British thing. I'll bet you they, I'll bet you they stacked the big actors at the front. Like the recognizable actors, I'll bet they did that. Anyway, let's talk. So um, the one thing I noticed between this show and Black Mirror is that Black Mirror, the technology is very recognizable. It's almost like the Appleization of technology. Everything is kind of glossy white. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff where people are just kind of sticking it on their temple like a little puck to make them see mm-hmm. for reality or something like that. This particular show kind of puts you in different worlds and different realities that are all – recognizable but you know as recognizable as like a blade runner would be to us where it's you know sort of like reality but it's a very big distortion and i found that really interesting and almost refreshing watching both of these shows kind of back to back and some episodes of one on one day and some episodes of another on another day Um, yeah they they're very palatable uh they pair very well yeah they look both of the shows look great this one this one looks really good um the one thing I was also really impressed with coming from someone that looks at VFX and looks at studies, that kind of stuff, this show is not at all scared to do the wide shot. It's not showing the future just in little tiny rooms. It's showing big cityscapes. It's showing sides you know, of cliffs that yeah, all these cliffs. residences are carved into on different planets. And it's, yeah. And so they're not just saying, oh, yeah, you're in space, but you're only going to see it through a window. It's very, very interesting, and so clearly there's some sort of budget behind this one as well, as well as, I mean, the actors, of course, that Jimmy mentioned. Um, uh, most of us have, have well, Rob hasn't had a chance to watch too much of this yet, but Jimmy's watched but a few episodes. Is, I've watched it is a few on episodes. my list, and I will be yeah. checking it out. And if, you'll check in, of course. Um, I mean, we've been watching tons of anthologies over the past week, so it's a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of crap to watch. Yes. Um, but the ones I've watched have been very engaging. And very, uh, you know, really, really interesting. Yeah, for me, they're very, it's not the type of thing that you can just put on the background. You know, I may start an episode like that, but by the time I'm three and a half minutes into the episode, I'm sitting on the edge of my bed watching it. Mm-hmm. Totally engaged throughout the whole duration of the episode, whether it be, you know, an hour or 46 minutes, you know, it kind of stays within that same black mirror kind of length yeah the the thing i find interesting we were sort of talking about this off the air was that you know if you look at this on imdb it is a different layout episode wise than on amazon which i thought was actually kind of interesting and i think for the american audience i think they actually pushed a lot of the big name stars forward because mm-hmm. like episode it's episode five in england but for us it's episode one and they kind of have it separated out, almost like a movie. And that one has um, Ter- the Terrence Howard episode and Anna Paquin, <laughs> so big names. Um, then they, of course, go into stuff with you know Steve Buscemi and and Brian Cranston stuff like that. 
I've heard from a bunch of people. Janelle Monet. Yeah, Janelle Monet, who's really good. I've heard that from a bunch of people that that they were saying that the early episodes, while they're good and intriguing, the show really gets kicking later on and is supposed to be. I've heard that one of the episodes that's really good, and unfortunately I haven't had a chance to listen to it as of recording time, is an episode called watch it. Yes, sorry. Watch it as of recording time uh, is The Commuter. Supposed to be a, is supposed to be one of the better ones. So hopefully I'll get a chance to watch that in the near future, maybe by next by our next recording, that we can talk about it a little more. Um, now, uh, you guys, I'm assuming, uh, I know Jimmy knows who Philip K. Dick is. Rob, are you aware of who Philip K. Dick is, the author? No. Ah, which is surprising, because I know you love the Dick. Hey! Andy Dick! No, no, nobody loves Andy Dick. No, Philip K. Dick is a futurist writer. Uh, go ahead, Jimmy. You. Philip K. Dick is really an author that if you're not familiar with him by name, you are familiar with his work and the things that he wrote about, you know, like these guys, Isaac Asimov and, and, you know, Robert Heinlein, they wrote about these crazy concepts, these predictions for the future. And, you know, some of those from Philip K. Dick being um, the uncanny Valley where, you know, the more human that something we see on film appears to be, the more appalling it is to us. The more we find and pick apart that thing. Yeah, where someone might we find like, it, you know, two dots in a circle and be like, oh, it's a smiley face. But you look at a mannequin that almost looks like a person and you're like, Ugh, it looks creepy. Yeah. Or virtual reality. You know, his early prediction or, you know, known as the empathy box is an early form of VR that's been written about so many times. You've got this, the, you know, next Steven Spielberg blockbuster in, you know, Ready Player One, yeah. where it takes place in a world that Philip K. Dick built. I mean, when he, he wrote the book, Minority Report, which was the first reference to facial recognition, um, also had, he wrote stuff that had driverless cars, and we can remember Johnny Cab in, uh, in Total Recall, uh, which he yeah, also wrote. I'm Johnny Cab. Yep. See, I knew you'd. Write, I knew you know that one. But he wrote Total Recall. <laughs> he wrote Blade Runner. He wrote Minority Report. Um, yeah, that movie wasn't so good. Minority Report. Yeah, I didn't mind it, but I don't really remember it. When I saw it, I liked everything. So, um, three, I remember, you know, heads up displays, which you know, those are a interactive. Uh, they call it fu- futuristic user interfaces or FUI. Um, that's another concept that he he wrote about. Yep, 3D printing was in a book called uh, a short story he wrote called Nick and the Glimmung in 1966. So he talked about 3D printing, uh, manipulating people's memories, which I mean those ideas have kind of been there, but doing it with technology not so much. Um, spray on clothing, which is slowly becoming a thing, where it's you know spray on fabrics and stuff, uh, and of course the internet. He wrote about it in a book called Ubik in 1969, where he referred to something called the Internet of Everything that could get all information and. So he was. So he invented into- the internet. <laughs> it wasn't Al Gore. Beat you to it, as Omar said in our in our uh, New Year's episode. He did he did sign the bill that made the funding for the internet. So he wasn't entirely wrong. Ubik it actually shows up on many not only top ten top five sci fi uh, fantasy lists. It also shows up a lot on you know some of the best books ever written lists by you know American authors. 
I didn't know that. Actually, I while doing the research, I I had not heard of that book, but I'm, I have not either. I want I'm I need to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, after I get through, of course, List of Seven and Codex Alera. Nice. Yeah, Rob, me and Rob assigned Jimmy books, and we'll explain that. In, we'll explain that in a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't suck. It's just a lot of work. Yeah. But you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Trust me. Um, I know. One of the things. So we've talked a little bit about Philip K. Dick. So he is he is a writer. He did most of it. He wrote um, forty four novels, one hundred and twenty one short stories, and he uh, some of the stuff that has been like turned into movies or TV shows. Uh, Man in the High Castle, which he wrote in nineteen sixty two. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which became... Blade Runner. We can remember it for you wholesale, which became... Total Recall. Total Recall. Yes. Minority Report, which, which became... Which was adapted twice. Yes. Minority Report. Yes. Uh, Scanner Darkly. Boom! Scanner Darkly. I got one. <laughs> Scanner Darkly. <laughs> he wrote a book called... Second. Was that Scanners? No, it was called no. Scanner Darkly. Oh. It's an actual... It's an animated... It, it was adapted. It's an animated film. Um, the rotoscope animation where they like take video and then make it look like animation with i believe keanu reeves yes uh second variety which became a movie called screamers uh the adjustment team which was written in 1954 which became the adjustment bureau which also wasn't very good and the movie paycheck which was written in 1953 but was adapted by uh john woo i believe so and it became payback oh no never mind it was still paycheck Oh, Rob. Was was Screamers the one with the with the robots that tunneled underneath the ground? I believe so. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, one of the things he used to focus on was what's real and what isn't. So another little thing that kind of came out of his writing, and I think the reason a lot of people don't know him is because he has so many sci-fi writers that not copy him but are inspired by him that he kind of fell behind. So like the idea of something like The Matrix where are we living in a – virtual reality simulations yeah right out of his work but he didn't write the matrix so i think a lot of people understand the theories behind his stuff but it's been modernized and people kind of forget um like they forget him and for some reason it just brought up like the band fugazi where like almost every band in the 90s like nirvana pearl jam all these bands love fugazi talked about him but the average person is going to know Nirvana, but they don't know Fugazi. And just it just sprung into my mind as I was kind of looking at how many people don't know who he is and know all, but know all of the stuff he's done. Um, anyway, the um, I guess he had some mental situations that happened throughout his life that led. To yes, that that sounds rather unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not obviously the best situation. I don't, and I guess did you read more on those, Jimmy? Not outside of what we did read, but, you know, those situations really played into his writing and his his philosophy on life. Um, Would you go ahead and explain some of those, Greg? I guess he um, had a kid. He had a dream that his son had some sort of medical thing, or he had a hallucination that his son had some sort of medical issue. And he insisted to Mm -hmm. the doctors that they look for said issue. And that it was right. Like, he was right. So it was really hard to convince him that he was wrong at any other point. So when he started having these, like, these hallucinations of, like, well, maybe I'm living in a simulation, or maybe I'm not who I am, or maybe all of my friends were taken away and replaced with duplicates, things like that, it was really hard to tell him that he was wrong because he was like, well, I was right about this one thing. Why aren't I right about this other thing? Yeah. However, 
the good news is he didn't take that to levels that were violent or, you know, dangerous to himself. <laughs> he expressed that stuff in his writings. And over a short period of time, 44 novels and 121 short stories is a lot of writing. Like somebody coming up to him and him going, you're a robot. I know you are. I just have to peel your face off to prove it. Exactly. That yeah. would have been but violent there, and bad. Yeah, there was there was another uh, situation where he was uh, recovering from the treatment of an impacted tooth and a woman made a delivery to his door and he was absolutely fixated on her necklace. Uh, and he believed that the, uh, the this re reflection um, or a, uh, quote, pink beam that was created from the glint off of her necklace, uh, it, this beam imparted uh, wisdom and clairvoyance, hmm. um, attributing some of the things that he saw. So definitely an interesting guy shaped by his experiences mm -hmm. and, and how he perceived them. And I think that looking at those short stories, you can see some of that stuff. The what's real, what isn't stuff definitely comes through, at least in the four episodes of Electric Dreams that I've seen so far. Two major ones are focusing on what's real and what isn't. And That's the first two. <laughs> the, the first, Yeah, the first two are very focused on. Actually, most of them are in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and my, you know, in... I didn't really have to watch the second one because somebody spoiled it. I for am me. a so, filthy piece of shit. I didn't even I didn't even give him a spoiler <laughs> warning beforehand, and I was like, I really like the part that this happened. He looked at me just with this cold stare, like, dude, I haven't watched it yet. So, oh, you were like, oh, but I thought you. Yeah, I, no, it's totally fine. Um, I'm I'm going to watch it anyway. But you You're know, for sure the purposes of fine. <laughs> for for the purposes of conversation, I did skip the second episode. Um. Episode one had a really weird impact on me after watching that. I, I kind of felt like I had I had stepped halfway out of myself. Uh, I was driving across town and I was looking at a, a tree or a house. Had I ever noticed that before? You know, I, <laughs> I've always had always been there. Did I ever see that prime minister have sex with a sheep over there before? No, no. <laughs> yeah, very impressionable. <laughs> Not quite, but I noticed two fruit trees on a road that I've always driven on. You know, they were two different ones. And the third episode dealt with um, maybe psychological impacts that philip k dick may have experienced in this episode was the one with brian cranston and it was called human is it was a slow burn we say that so many times but it really was it was an uncomfortable episode mm -hmm. and we like to relish the pain it, <laughs> yeah. needed, it needed an actor of the caliber of brian cranston to push the story along because otherwise it would have been too slow I agree with that, but I'm, I'm really enjoying, I've read some reviews where, you know, and I don't really put too much faith in these for this reason. I've read a lot of reviews online where people say, oh, it just doesn't deliver or it just doesn't deliver a message or it's, you know, short sighted. I, I completely disagree with that. It's 10 episodes. Each episode is different. You know, there's four seasons of 
Black Mirror out there, you're not going to like them all. Mm-hmm. You know, so far I've liked what I've seen of Electric Dreams and what we're talking about 140 short stories or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, this could have legs and it could go for a very long time. I think that's the plan. Yeah. Of, I believe his daughter, uh, Isa, her name is Isa Dick Hackett. And she's co she's co producing it and she's curating it. So, I mean, she, her mind is in the right place. She definitely is aware. And some of these aren't even from short stories. Some of these are just from his like jotted, you know, things that he jotted down in letters mm-hmm. or in diaries and stuff like that. So, yeah, it could be a, a really cool exercise. And the fact that it's dual produced now, you know, the fact that it's not just for a channel in England, it's going to be on Netflix as well they're going to get more budgets and more big name actors. Yeah. And, you know, I bring up the technical aspects of these uh, because of their budgets. And I, I really want to point to the companies that are the VFX studios that are doing the graphics for these. They, they've cut their teeth on some pretty big productions, you know, with, um, with, you know, electric dreams, you've got, you know, technically, you've got um, studios like 4D Max, uh, who does the character scanning, character modeling, photography for it. They have Jedi, done yeah. work on Last Jedi. Yep. Oh, no, Last ahead. Jedi, Thor, Game of Thrones. It's For those of you that um, we've said it a little bit earlier, we've said it in some of the other episodes, but that's what Jimmy and I do. We do, we do yes. 3D graphics. We teach people to do 3D graphics, therefore we have to know these studios because... We need to know what they're doing so that we know how to prepare our students to work at those studios. And some of them ha- have gone off to work at these studios. So, you know, there's describing a movie based on what it looks like or a TV show based on what it looks like. There's also describing it based on the storyline and stuff like that. But we're going to focus on how it looks a lot because a glaring error in tracking or 3D or lighting or something like that is going to make it less quality for us. And it's something that the average person might not see. Or might not know why it doesn't look good. Yeah, and and you know, I just want to point out that these aren't. This isn't some fourteen-year-old kid who watched a tutorial online doing the graphics for these. These are these are big heavy hitters doing these. You know, big budget. The the series, you know, both the series we talked about. This one in, in particular is beautiful. Now, I will say there was a scene in Human Is where they very clearly have one of those really cool lamps from IKEA that you like pull down. And they transform oh, like, ones? like a robot. Uh, okay. I know. No. Yeah. You, you pull down, they like transform like a robot from, I don't know, Star okay. Wars. Uh, but I was like, uh, okay, this takes place how many years in the future? That's, they have Ikea in the future? still using Ikea. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. That's like, uh, well, I mean, honestly, if, if we ever do colonize the moon or some other planet, they're going to have to build an Ikea really fast because that – because they, they, they yeah. need to ship furniture to the moon. It's going to be Ikea. Come on. And the uh, the other studio uh, is one of us. It's a VFX studio as well who has uh, experience on Last Jedi, The Revenant, which is a fantastic film, and um, Idents for Channel 4. Okay, so that um, takes us through the two – really the two things we're going to talk about today, which were the um, these two anthology series. It did get me thinking. It was actually really interesting. I'm going to take a slight detour here. I was talking uh, before recording tonight to my to my mother just to check in and stuff. And hi, mom. First of all, she listens. And she, I was 
saying, oh, yeah, you know, anthologies. And she's like, oh, my favorite anthology series with Outer Limits, but you've probably not seen that. And I was like, first of all, I completely forgot about that one. Second of all, I think it's really cool that there's different anthology series for different for different groups of people and, you know, for different age groups. I kind of think it's one of those things that are probably, it would actually be a good idea to remake some of these things because some of the, the crazy storylines, we, I'm sure there's stuff that we watch that references them and we just don't realize it because they were from the fifties and sixties. And it's not like there's something that we can easily get to. Right. But, um, so the question, and I'm going to give a little bit of a definition here. The question was, is going to be for this week. What are your five favorite individual episodes of a horror or sci-fi anthology TV series? And the official definition of an anthology series, just in reference to what we're going to be answering here, uh, anthology series is a radio, television, or book series. We're going to do TV that presents a different story and a different set of characters in each episode or season slash series. Now the season slash series thing is a little actually came about. A little- <laughs> It came about a little more recently where uh, American Horror Story has a has a different series each different theme. year. It's different. The same, same actors, but they're playing different characters, different theme. There have been some crossover characters, but those don't really count because they're never really the main character. But they also don't but, they also don't typically play the same character, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So you know, but the, be, the other one that, that some people do, some people don't, which even which even takes that a little step further is Doctor Who. But Doctor Who, I wouldn't consider the anthology, even though they changed cast, it's still the same storyline with the Doctor and and everything that yeah. continues to go on with that. And most of the Doctors have played for multiple years. So it's not, yeah, not different storylines. It's anthology has to be pretty much different stories. There are some anthologies that use the same cast but as different people um really the only big change has been recently because of the the american horror story thing and i actually remember there being a big crazy thing because first of all when the end of they didn't say that american horror story was going to be a anthology up until the end of the first season and basically at the end of the first season a lot of people are no longer with us and you're like how the hell are they going to continue the story and then it was revealed that the next season is a completely different yeah. story. And and they probably would have lost a lot of viewers because I was like, Jesus, if every season if every season is like this, there's no reason to watch this series. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. So so that's that is the definition we're going to use. So using that definition, what are your favorite individual episodes of a horror or sci-fi anthology TV series? I can go first if nobody objects. Go for it. Do it. All right. So, starting with my number five, counting down here, I'm actually going to behave this time. My number five is going to be an episode of The Twilight Zone that starred a young William Shatner, and that is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. You guys may remember that as the episode with the gremlin on the wing. It's been parodied, parodied on SNL. It was... Um, and The Simpsons, who was parodied in one of the early uh, uh, Halloween episodes of The Simpsons. The Treehouse of Terror. Um, yes. And it was shown in the Twilight Zone movie as well. I, I do actually vaguely remember that. It terrified me. It scared the crap out of me. For um, 
this one i think about it every time i'm on an airplane sitting near the wing yeah, yeah true true um this one just for really nostalgia purposes uh, we were kind of talking about anthology series and i remember the show are you afraid of the dark on nickelodeon and i'm walking through the hallway at work and i'm going I, I just can't remember an end of it. And as soon as I thought that, I thought of the episode Watcher's Woods. Um, if you you can find that on the internet, the full episode. Um, it's very Canadian. It's very 90s. And it's very awesome. <laughs> very okay. Canadian. The, the murderer in the woods apologizes I'm for sorry. Yeah. Okay? I'm sorry. Hack. <laughs> hack, hack, hack. <laughs> Number three. What, what, hap- what happens in Watcher's Woods? Because I've heard of that one. I've heard people say that it's really good and scary. But I've, I was just outside of the Are You Afraid of the Dark time period. Like I think when that show was starting, I was hitting high school and I was bi- more important. Or I was busy doing what I felt was more important things. Yeah, I was watching Tales. Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? So that takes me to my number three. <laughs> you don't remember what it's about, do you? Club. What Watcher's Woods? <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I watched it. It's, he totally it, just asked you what it was about. It sorry. Um, <laughs> I was trying to order these things in my head. Watcher's Woods is a – it's if you haven't seen Are You Afraid of the Dark, it's about the Midnight Club or the Mid, the Midnight Society. I'm sorry. They're a group of friends that get together, and they tell scary stories at the campfire. And um, this particular episode, they introduce a new member of the Midnight Society – uh, named Sam, who gets to tell her story as a tryout to join the Midnight Society. And her tale is of Watcher's Woods. It's about a summer camp. So, you know, very much in the vein of Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, but for kids, where three camp goers get lost in like the year 1916, and the only thing they found were their whistles. They got lost in the Watcher's Woods, and the Watcher is a demon that holds minion or rank, dominion over this section of the woods that uh, you get lost in trails, and you just kind of become a member of his woods. Well, these three ghoulish women who are the, you know, spirits of the girls who got lost uh, trap um, two of the the campers, who and and they end up breaking the spell, but it. It was scary. It's fun. It doesn't hold up super well, but you know, it's network TV from the early nineties, mid nineties, but it's fun. Um, and that made number four on the list. So you can catch all those episodes online. It's fun. Number three features a very young and dreamy Mr. Brad Pitt. That's from 1992. And that is tales from the crypt. That particular episode is King of the road where Brad Pitt plays kind of like a crazed James Dean type character. Um, who's king of the road uh, in uh, street racing. Number two, and this one just popped in my head tonight, is an episode from the first season of True Detective. It is the episode Who Goes There? This episode, uh, Matthew McConaughey's character goes underground or uh, undercover, not underground. He's an underground rapper. Um, all right, all right, all right. He is... Uh, he goes your one chance to blow. He goes undercover uh with a meth dealing biker gang to get some information about the person that they're hunting down, and there's a six minute tracking shot, so an uninterrupted shot that follows 
Matthew McConaughey's character through a kind of like apartment complex. It goes around fences. It goes, it goes through It's doors. so cool. It's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. Funny thing is, actually, I met Rob while undercover on a meth, with a meth dealing biker gang. You did, and that guy yeah, was I did. creepy. Yeah, that's that's how Rob and I met. <laughs> Number one, no surprise. As much as we talked about it earlier, Sanjay Deparo from season three of Black Mirror. Yeah, that's. I think that's going to be uh, referenced quite a bit. I think so. Possibly once or twice. Yeah. Um, I guess I could go. Go ahead. Okay. So one of the cool things on some of these older ones, now that I've been pretty much living in in uh, anthology zone for the past like two weeks or so, is that some of these are available on YouTube. <laughs> the anthology zone. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been able to kind of start looking around and going back and trying to you know, rewatch some of the ones that I remember from when I was a kid. Now – I think for all of our lists, we there's going to be a lot missed because there's you know there's several hundred episodes of Tales of Twilight Zone stuff like that. But uh, my f- number five is going to be Tales from the Crypt from season four, episode seven. That is called the New Arrival, and it is. I'm trying to figure out how to say this without spoiling it, but there are it's a story with um, uh, the actress Zelda, uh, whose last name I don't remember, but she is the high pitched short lady from. Uh, from Poltergeist. Poltergeist uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Zelda, what's her so, face? God, what was her yeah, name? So, so uh, research department figured that out. So she basically calls up, and remember, these are made in the late 80s, early 90s. So she calls up one of those like shock jock, like radio hosts that's like a psychologist. And she's like, and the, he's just blowing her off, basically saying that she is, um, you know, just a terrible parent. And you know what? Zelda Rubenstein. Uh, Zelda Rubenstein, yeah. So she's a you know, terrible parent. I'm just going to come out there and do whatever. So gets to the house, and the house is like kind of lined with booby traps, and there's just really weird stuff going on with the house. And it's a 30-minute episode. I watched it, and I remember vaguely seeing it in the past, but it is a new take on a certain type of story that has been very popular over the fa- past five or six years. And I say new take even though it was made in, the, like again, late 80s, early 90s, probably early 90s in this case. And it was just really, it was creepy, it was scary, and it was just really well done. So that was called The New Arrival, um, and it is available on YouTube, so you can just, you know, Google it. Um, number four is going to be Archangel, the episode I talked about earlier. Um, again, season four, episode two, I believe. That is the Jodie Foster-directed uh, one that is available on Netflix. Uh, Twilight Zone, episode 123, which is The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which so is good. the Gremlin on the Wing episode. There's multiple reasons why I like it. The first the first reason being the fact that the first time I ever really thought about it and knew that it was a thing was because it was parodied on SNL. And at one point, the gremlin on the wing is being seen by Jude Law on that particular episode, and the gremlin is actually jamming with Pearl Jam on the wing of the airplane, who was the musical guest that night. Smashing. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so that particular episode, it's, it's a really interesting characterization of someone who is losing their mind and we, it's one of those early types of things where you don't know. Or if is he? Really, yeah, or really is he? Uh, number two, not much to say with this one. Again, uh, Black Mirror San Junipero. And that, you know, we talked about it at length earlier tonight. And number one for me is From Amazing mm-hmm. Stories, also something we've talked about either on purpose or by accident in the past. Uh, it's called The Mission. It is the story 
It is directed by Steven Spielberg. It is a story of a guy who is in a World War II bomber. He gets hit by some fire, some fr- not friendly fire, just gets it hit by German fire. And the landing gear won't go down, but he is stuck on the bottom in a big glass bubble. So if they crash land, he's going to die. His hopes and dreams when he gets out of the war, which he has discussed, is to be a cartoonist. So he is sitting there drawing and dreaming and hoping that there will be um, you know, landing gear coming out of the bottom of this airplane. And it happens with these big cartoony things. And I remember seeing that as a kid, and I haven't had to watch it again because I've – I mean I have seen it a couple times since then. But it was so – I thought it was so well done, and so it affected me so much as a kid that I had like nightmares about it that night. Um, it starred Kiefer Sutherland and Kevin Costner in it, which I didn't even realize till I watched it wow. again on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, so the people in the airplane – Kevin Costner is the pilot. Kiefer Sutherland's and one of the people in the plane. Uh, and, of course, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Amazing Stories is coming back in the very near future, so I'm looking forward to it. But Sweet. Um, a really well done, uh, episode was the mission. So that's my number one. Nice. Nice. Well, how about you, Rob? Well, I, I have to say that I, I was a little bit behind with the, with the jumping onto Black Mirror and Electric Dreams anthology series. Um, I did end up bringing one of them. Quite literally been in the DMV for three weeks. For three weeks. <laughs> um, I did end up bringing one of them into my list, but that might be just because it was more recent and fresh in my mind. And when Greg told me what the question was going to be this week, I was like, are you, are you effing kidding me? I can't remember any of the episodes that I watched from like amazing stories back in the eighties. What are you serious? So I went back and I reviewed some of the, um, some of the titles and just looking at some of the pictures from from like the the thumbnails from the titles, I was like, oh, oh my god, I remember that. I do remember yeah. that. Okay, yeah, that's all right. what happened to me too. Mm-hmm. So I went back and looked at a couple of them, and I'm like, oh, all right, all right, I can put this together. Um, but so I'll start it. I'll start at number five. Um, Greg tells me that I have to pick one. Um, I'm still I'm still a little bit contentious about including American Horror Story in this list, um, but I went ahead and included season three, which was my favorite. Greg tells me I have to pick an episode so picking an episode i'll probably just have to go with the with the opening episode bitchcraft um i really enjoyed the entire season it was in my opinion was one of their best seasons three three and i think six were my favorites roanoke and coven the the three was the witch season correct yeah yeah three was coven and six was roanoke and those were probably my two favorite seasons of american horror story but three was my favorite um, so I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with, uh, episode one from season three of American Horror Story Bitchcraft. Um, for my number four, I, this was one that I actually did remember, and I actually am the one who made the incorrect reference when we were talking about another World War II movie, and it was Greg's number two, I believe, the, or no, number one, your number one, The Mission, um, was the one where the, where the kid drew the cartoon wheels on the underside of the yeah, plane. You're talking about like the Memphis bell or something like a serious, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, well, it was, that's the one with the cartoon wheels. I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> you're like, uh, no Rob, no, that is, that is, that is incorrect. Good job. <laughs> so I'll go with that as my number four. Um, another American stories, one that I remembered and I was like, Oh yeah, that was kind of creepy. I remember watching that as a kid was go to the head of the class. Do you remember that episode, Greg? I don't, but I am that was, frantically that was Googling. One, that was the one where Christopher Lloyd played the the like really demonic teacher. I mean, he was terrible. He was awful. He made them do terrible things like kneel on frozen peas and hold books out at their sides when they were when they were bad. 
And this boy oh, falls yeah, for this, remember this. Yep. this boy falls for the girl and he helps her do this witchcraft thing where she she tries to basically jinx her teacher or kill her teacher or something. Um and so she burns a picture of him, but the fire goes out, so she just rips the picture and puts it in the thing. And then when they come to class the next day, they find out that that he's still alive. And she's like, what the heck? And then they find out that her ripping the picture just cut his head off, but he was still, like, alive. And it was, like, super creepy that way, too. Yep. Um, I, remember, I remember the holding of the head. I do. Yep, yep, yep. So that was – that's probably going to be my number three. Uh, my number two, uh, San Junipero snuck in there. It was it was actually a really, really well done episode. If you haven't had a chance to check out Black Mirror, I recommend that you check it out. Maybe don't start with San Junipero. That might be the best episode in the series. I'm I'm kind of worried that everything else is going to go downhill. Um, but we'll find out, and I'll let you know a little bit more as I see more of the episodes. But San Junipero made my number two. And my number one, I broke <clears throat> the rules. I know, but I don't care because it's still my favorite anthology um probably of all time this is why we're going to replace you with the helper monkey probably helper monkeys don't break the rules it is one that has stuck with me my so far since i've seen it and that would be general um and i know you i know you guys know what that's from but general is the is the little anthology story starring drew barrymore from cat's eye uh Um, yes so it Scared was be it was the cat. Yeah, well, General it was the name of the cat, right? Yeah, General was the name of the cat. Drew Barrymore was the girl, and it was about um, a cat who ended up saving a little girl from from a little demon that a used little to troll. steal her breath at yeah, night. Yeah, a little troll yeah. that would steal her breath at night. Scared and they the couldn't shit figure out, out of me. Yeah, they couldn't figure out why she was sick, and then the cat showed up in her life, and she stopped getting sick. But the cat was fighting the little troll thing. He ate the little bastard. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh but, man, that was so good. But that one, that one stuck with that one has stuck with me a long time, and it, it was it was really good. And I don't care that it's not part of a TV series; it is an anthology, and it is still my number one. Okay, I think I'm going to accept it just because Jimmy seemed no, enthralled with it. It, it. I used to be scared of that little son of a bitch. <laughs> I used to think he would come out of my wall at night. And we had a cat named Alley Cat, and I thought she protected me from that little troll bastard. And and I will say the other two were actually decent. The Ledge wasn't my favorite, but Quitters Inc. is another one that I remember really well because that that one actually starred James Woods, um, and that that one would have made my list if I didn't if I if I felt that breaking the rules twice wouldn't have been too much. I remember that because that one was good as well. Troll now it's a, he's pretty pretty creepy. He's kind of almost like it's a little bit like the the alien from Aliens with his little teeth. Now, do you not remember that one, Greg? I've never seen Cat's Eye. Oh, I certainly do. You you should watch it. I own Cat's Eye because it, was, it, was it really came good. with that Stephen King pack I bought around Halloween, but I was a combination of really busy and really sick throughout October, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was it was really good. You should watch it. Yeah. Great. So, I mean, guys, a lot of these things that we've talked about are available online. In fact, I've pretty much set my mind to watching every single episode of Tales from the Crypt, all seven seasons. He watched one on lunch today as IT was helping us out in the class. I watched uh, the one with Timothy Dalton as a werewolf. <laughs> werewolf uh, concerto. Yeah. And it was really good and I remembered it from back in the day. <laughs> I, I did too, looking over your shoulder. What's weird is I, I used to watch Tales from the Crypt only for the beginning and the endings because of the Crypt Keeper. I thought he was funny. 
and creepy. And, like, scared me so bad. But I, I was young, so I didn't really pay. I didn't really understand much of the movies. I would just unless there was like a monster of the week kind of thing, which I loved. But now going back, it's amazing how many like big names were on that show. Like I mean, even I mean, Timothy Dalton of James Bond. But I mean, there's so many the directors of those episodes. Like if you look at the directors, it's like. There's multiple episodes that were directed by um, – just scroll, just scroll down. There's one directed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Robert Zemeckis directed three episodes. Richard Donner directed three episodes and then did Lethal Weapon. So there's some big names. Uh, Walter Hill, who did uh, – who was he known for? Uh, he did uh, 48 Hours and Aliens. Well, he produced Aliens, but anyway. Um, so there's some really good stuff, and I think that it's kind of the movie version of a short story. If you can – you know, in one hour, if you can make an awesome story – you're going to do good with the full movie. So I would, you know, if you like those kind of things, check out some of the stuff we mentioned. And of course, uh, let us know. And can, can we just, can we just give a shout out because you've mentioned it before. Um, I think it's really interesting and actually pretty neat that, that pretty much every generation or every decade has their own little version of an anthology story. I mean, from like the fifties to the sixties, you've got the twilight zone, you've got Alfred Hitchcock presents. Those were both anthology series. Um, mm-hmm. In the seventies, you had Night Gallery. Um, in the eighties, you oh, had Night Gallery. Tales from the, that. yeah, you had Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt, and Amazing Stories. In the eighties, mm-hmm. um, in the nineties, you had um, um, oh, what was the one in the nineties? You had um, or Tales from the Crypt was in the nineties, also the early nineties. Yes, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Tales from the Crypt was eighties and nineties. Not uh, yeah, it was like late eighties, early nineties. Um, but I believe '90s. You also had like Goosebumps. You had um, uh, oh, Outer Limits was the '60s also. But I mean, like every oh, Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, he's dead. Jimmy, <laughs> <What? laughs> Jimmy peaced out. See ya. I'm out. Of We're done. Are you afraid of the dark? That was the one Jimmy talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? But then in the 2000s, you've got like R.L. Stein's Haunting Hour. I mean, it, you, you've got – oh, and another one that we forgot was The Hitchhiker, but that was more of an adult anthology series, so we didn't watch it in the 80s and 90s, but yeah. there was The Hitchhiker in the 80s and 90s. That always confused me. I tried to watch it a couple times, and I was like, why are the actors different every time? Um, yeah. Right now, I mean, what's considered oh, yeah. – for now, what's considered as uh, anthology, because it can go by seasons too, Fargo, kind of a crime one, uh, American Crime Story, Crime, uh, American Horror Story we've got now. True Crime. Yep. So, you know, there's there's a lot of these. I'm looking at the – there's if you want to try to find one, if you're into them, look at Wikipedia. Just look up uh, TV anthology series. There's hundreds that will pop up. Even British ones and animation, like Liquid Television. Masterpiece Theater. Uh, I was just about to say Liquid Television. Yeah. We talked about today and introduced some new students to. So. so anyway, thank you guys for listening. Who wants to uh, close it out here? Anyone? Well, I'll Don't everybody up. jump at once. <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, thanks for listening to our Anthology Week. If you'd like to get in touch with us, give us a shout at giveme5podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at giveme5pod. And if you are interested in purchasing some merchandise with our logo on it, check out giveme5podcast.threadless.com. Is that right, Greg? I believe that is. Is it? Yes. Give me five podcast.threadless.com. And we where definitely want to hear about your favorite anthology series because in about 17 years, when I'm finished with all of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt, I'm going to need something to watch on my lunch break. So 
Send us your ideas. So, heck yeah. yeah. Check out Banjo Napero, my best suggestion for you. And by purchasing any merchandise from our Threadless store, that goes into our fund to actually um, adopt a helper monkey to replace Rob. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. But it also keeps us broadcasting, so. <laughs> That's true. Do I make you horny, baby? Bring the pain, J-Dog. That's what I like to hear.